Well, welcome to the There It Is podcast. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Thank you for listening. This is a different opening today because the subject matter is so different. The funky, funny theme song didn't feel like the right thing to open with today because I'm talking about a very sensitive topic, harassment. I wanted to talk to people from different theaters about how they handle harassment and develop policies to prevent and deal with incidents that happen at their theater. The purpose is to spread good information about dealing with this issue because it is so persistent in the comedy community. I hope that you learn new methods or ideas on how to be proactive or that this starts a dialogue among your colleagues at your theater or that you realize that this is an issue that you must address. Wherever you are on that spectrum, I hope you learned something from this. I spoke with four different people from different theaters around the country and a couple of quick notes I want to make about that. Don't assume that anyone is saying that their theater is doing it the right way and the only way it should be done. That's not what they're saying. It's just what they have discovered will work best for them in their community. Also, don't assume that any theater that you know has a policy but isn't represented in this episode doesn't care about the topic. I didn't ask every big-name theater to participate. I didn't ask every middle-sized theater or small theater that I know about to participate. But out of everyone I did speak to, they all care very much about this subject. They simply couldn't arrange to be on. Everyone I spoke to put a lot of thought into their policy because they want to protect their members. I think that's a very important point to make about this subject. So let's begin. Our guest is Alrinthia Carter. She is from my old theater, Alchemy Comedy, in Greenville, South Carolina, and she is the advocate for the theater. Our talk touched on how they developed the policy in place at the theater. You might be a theater starting out and you want to develop a policy. Well, here's what that looks like. Now, Alrinthia, I have been privy to how alchemy does things because I was a member there and uh, you know for three plus years and I saw how a policy started to develop and how it grew over time I I can't say that there's there was never policy I'm not saying that but I just mean it did grow over time and you were named the advocate for the company uh, what a year and a half or so ago yeah, so this is my um, this is my second season um, as the the formal advocate or player advocate for the company. And can you define what that is exactly? Uh, yeah, so basically, my job is to um, be that person that hears anything going on with any of our players. So my main role is to be a sounding board for. Uh, company members that may not feel comfortable or safe um, uh, or not, they may feel they're not being treated well by their co-players, their coaches, their teammates, and, and, and so on. So I'm a central kind of information center slash um, ombudsman for any of those things under um, that umbrella. Right. So it's obviously more than just sexual harassment, but also just any kind of bullying or just Mm -hmm. unfair treatment or discrimination of some kind. 
Right. So discrimination, uh, sexual harassment, any kind of abuses of power um, or any kind of inequality, uh, I'm the kind of the first line of defense against that. And when you got to be in place in that role, what was already in place as far as policy was concerned? And did you have to develop any more once you got on board as advocate? Yeah, we, I don't, I'm not sure that we had a formal policy in place. We certainly had um, people that were in leadership positions within the company that were noted as someone to go to if you had any issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, at the time, there wasn't this huge upheaval um, in the, the comedy community across the country um, that included sexual harassment and discrimination and all of that. Um, and so we were able to kind of jump ahead of that and, and really formalize our process. Okay. And what did you do to, when you got on board as the advocate, what did you do to help address that? Well, I think when I first started, I kind of had a picture of if someone was feeling unsafe or uncomfortable, then we could talk about it and I would help them work through solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, you know, there's no... Um, there's no training manual for this job and there's not really a lot of information out there in the world um, that helps you kind of be ready for any kind of complaints that you receive. Um, It really kind of took, you know, hearing my first, I guess, quote unquote case to kind of figure out what exactly our players needed from me to, to be, to make this an efficient and painless and comfortable, um, uh, policy and process. And what do you think you will start doing now in the future? Like what, what is probably next on the agenda for Mm -hmm. continuing to address that and to keep people feeling safe? Um, well, a big thing for me or my big goal is to not just leave it at, okay, sexual harassment is bad. If someone has harassed you, come talk to me about it. And then, we will either talk to that person together or they or kick them out of the company. We aren't really um, giving our players a lot of, I would say, pre-training for that. Um, we were reactionary, but we weren't being proactive. Um, and so what I've implemented is um, I've been going to our classes mm-hmm. and, and talking about our, our policies. I've been going to... Um, uh, we talk at our company meeting, which you, of course you remember is a big part of our audition process. Mm -hmm. And so when a new member joins the company, they've heard this message a couple of times to know kind of what they're going into and say, okay, Alchemy is really taking this seriously. And it's on me to really watch myself and watch my behaviors. Mm -hmm. Um, and then on the other end of that, Alrinthia is that person that I can trust and talk to and be kind of an intermediary between myself and our senior director and any other kind of administrative person that needs to be brought on board. Yeah. I mean, one of the or two things that are, and you've touched on this, two things that are really great that you're, uh, two things that are really great about you're going around to the classes before those company meetings. Uh, and mm-hmm. again, as, as uh, people may not have caught, the company meeting is happening the day of auditions at the beginning of a right. season. So 
mm-hmm. for one, it's great that you're doing that because it sinks in more. You know, like once it's if it's a third or fourth time that somebody's right. hearing it when they're becoming a member, then it's something that they understand better because it's not the first time they're hearing it. Right. And I think a lot of times you hear this talk once and you think, well, this doesn't apply to me because I would never do X, Y, and Z. Right. But people but don't they think don't realize about, there's also an ABC. Right. Uh, and so hearing that multiple times and in different atmospheres mm-hmm. really kind of gets people woken up and, um, and, and thinking about this actively, but also giving them the tools to protect their castmates. Um, it's not just a solo thing. You know, if someone on your team is going through this, this affects your whole team and your whole team dynamic. So if everyone's on board with our policies and how things work, then that could only make that experience better for that person. Right. And the other thing, and you said this earlier, the second thing that's good about you mentioning it so much is that it does show that the company is taking it seriously. Absolutely. Yeah. And that is paramount. Because the thing that people are going to constantly hear is that people don't feel safe when talking about these things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They don't feel safe. And they most importantly, they don't feel listened to. Right. That's the big thing. And I think that's a huge root of the general problem is that people don't feel that they have a voice to either protect themselves or protect other people. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, and I, I think... It's kind of a testimony to how kind of forward thinking um, our director is to even kind of think about, oh, wow, we need to get a policy in place and in our actual theater constitution so we could avoid all the other things that are happening to our older and bigger theaters across the country. And that's the thing. We have to do something. We have to make sure that we keep people safe. This isn't a new topic. This isn't a new situation. This has been going on for centuries, right? But in our American society, this is something that's very prevalent. And it is something that we need to handle and figure out how to. I think we got some good tips there from Alrenthia. Next up is Katie Holcomb. She is from the Coalition Theater. She and I talk about how their policy came to be. And it's a very fruitful discussion. You will hear some new ideas here about developing a policy. Here's Katie Holcomb. We're in this, like growth period where you go from being a small group and, you know, uh, like, I feel like this is kind of a trajectory of like a lot of improv theaters. It's like, it's a small group of people that are all very close to each other at the beginning. And you kind of like have the same ideals and things like that. And you're really on the same page. And then once you start to grow and expand and you start bringing in you know, new rounds of performers to the point where, you know, we've got about 60 house performers in the Mm -hmm. theater. That's when like, especially this kind of stuff becomes more relevant because all of a sudden, you know, it's not just that core group of people that share all the same values and are like, oh yeah, we get it. We, we know what's up. Like now you're in this swath of people that are all coming from different places and are all doing it for different reasons Mm -hmm. And you realize it becomes like really important once you see like the first instance of it happen of being like, oh man, like we really need to make sure that the organization and the actual like policy and procedures and what gets disseminated out to our performers is like really tight and in place. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's even... been fascinating to go through that. How old is your theater? So the theater is four years old, and the group itself, which started as the Richmond Comedy Coalition, we're now mm. the Coalition Theater, but we started in 2009 okay. um, before getting our space um, just four years ago. Awesome. Okay. And how long have you all had students that you were teaching? So you had some structure. Was that Did that start in four, like four years ago as well? Um, no, we, we were doing classes before we had our own permanent space. Um, and actually one of the reasons we expanded into having our own space is because we were teaching classes pretty much a year into forming the Richmond comedy coalition and performing. We decided like, yeah, we want to get students. We want to start teaching. We want to start building the scene. So we would rent spaces in different parts of town. So we would um, rent space at this kind of like artist gallery um, on a Sunday afternoon, Mm -hmm. or, you know, we had a lease on a small space that worked as like our practice space and our class space for a little while in a part of town called Carytown, um, which was really cool. It was like upstairs above these shops and it was really kind of low key and hidden and that was neat for a little while um but yeah we we got to capacity where it's like well we're teaching classes at several different places around town we really need to centralize everything Mm -hmm. and how long have you had policies in place to handle harassment and other interactions that I guess would fall under human resources at a traditional corporation, but how long have you had some policies in place? We've had, um, so ever since we started teaching classes, we definitely integrated policies into like the curriculum that they would get. So it's Mm -hmm. like the things that we would say at the outside of class and put in their syllabuses, syllabi. Yeah. (laughs) I don't even um, remember. <laughs> <laughs> is it a Latin root or right. <laughs> anyway? Um, so you know, we made it very clear to our students at the outset: um, these are things that are expected of you in class. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to come of sober mind and body. So you know, don't come drunk. Don't mm-hmm. come on drugs. Respect other people's um, space and autonomy. So if you are touching someone in a scene, you know, um, first of all, that's a kind of like a conversation you guys all need to have at the beginning of what you're comfortable with. And then if you're making a move in a scene that you feel can be uncomfortable, don't touch their real body, touch Mm -hmm. the improv body, touch not their body. Um, you know, things like that. Like I, Oh God, I remember we had this instance really early on where um, a student, I think I'm okay saying this, um, I won't use any names, a student um, in like the first day of class removed a female student's real shoes in a scene and started like rubbing her feet and we, the teacher had to stop and be like, okay, let's correct this right now. Don't take her real shoes off. Take her improv shoes off. This is like a big, uncomfortable situation for everyone. Mm. So, like, it's it's kind of those kind of things that you have to set at the outset and then just, like, 
continue to reinforce. So I think one thing we've done is really beefed up what those policies say and how students can uh, pursue help if they're having an issue like that. Um, You know, one thing that we make available is we have what we call an ombudsperson, Mm -hmm. which, you know, you can go to your coach, you can go to a teacher, you can go to a director, but if for some reason none of those people within the theater feel like you're comfortable going to them, we have this third-party person who volunteers um, as essentially an HR department. And that's her line of work in real life, and she does it as a volunteer position. So anyone can go to her. And it doesn't automatically mean if you go to her, she's going to report back to us. What it means is you can have a safe space to tell her what's going on, talk through it with her. Maybe she'll have some feedback that helps you, and maybe she'll also um, recommend like intervention, and then she can assist in that. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that's one thing that I think has been super helpful for us. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, I recommend that to any theater, to have an outside person that folks mm-hmm. feel like they can go to. Right. Um, but as far as, I mean, so that's with our, I feel like with our students, with our training center, we've always had those kind of policies on the books. Mm-hmm. It's with our own performers and within our theater community that it's, um, more recently become necessary to have those policies in writing, make them official, make sure everybody has signed off on them um, just on our end. So like we're covered when incidences do occur. Mm -hmm. So that's actually something that for us as a fairly new theater, um, you know, we've recently kind of beefed that up and made that known and put out those policies in writing, um, which I feel like, should have been done from the start, but you know, you kind of learn lessons as you move along. Yeah. And can we talk about uh, what kind of principles are there to deal with a power structure situation? If a teacher tries to date a student or somebody who is someone who is a student who isn't on a house team or something is dating someone who would maybe make a decision about who's on the house team and who's not. Uh, are there any sort of things in place in regards to that? Well, um, I think that's an interesting area to get into because there can be so much gray to it. You know what I mean? So I think that the things that we make clear in our policy that's disseminated to anybody that's a teacher, a student, or coach, um, like our sexual harassment um, policy and discrimination policy. So Mm -hmm. we make it clear in there that Um, the theater is not your emotional outlet. So it's not that we discourage, you know, people from pursuing relationships because one thing in any improv or performing community is it's not a typical workplace, right? So you've got people who are making connections with each other and Mm -hmm. because of the nature of the work that we're doing, they can feel like very deep connections Mm -hmm. and very real connections. And the thing that we need, I met my girlfriend, (laughs) you know, I met the love of my life because of improv. (laughs) And I don't think I could date anyone other than a comedian because (laughs) I don't think there's anybody that could understand me like one. Mm -hmm. But what I think is 
that's the important thing for theaters to tell their performers and make known is that although that's the case, although this isn't a typical workplace, you are not allowed to use this as your emotional dumping ground, as your sole emotional fulfillment, as your like sole source of um, just like happiness as a person, the theater does not complete you. So with that, we say things like, um, we encourage people to have outside activities. Um, We encourage them to have lives outside the theater. We let them know that the friendships that you make here and the relationships that you form, those are great and we love them, but they're secondary to being here to do the work. And if we Mm -hmm. get the sense that you're using and abusing it, um, that's, something that we need to take action on. Mm -hmm. And one of the policies that we have in our sexual harassment um, guidelines is that we make very clear what we consider sexual harassment or stepping over the lines. Like, for example, um, is it out of line for someone to ask someone out? Well, I mean, I think a logic, like a a level-headed adult needs to feel out that situation in the first place and Mm -hmm. and determine whether or not that is the kind of thing hierarchically um, that's appropriate. Mm -hmm. Um, And then from there, um, I think the most important thing is if you are going to approach someone else within the theater, you need to be super careful about how you approach and you need to make sure that you are doing it in such a way that if the response is no, everyone needs to be able to walk away from it, not feeling gross. The person that you approach needs to walk away feeling like, Oh, they asked me out. I said no. And everyone's moved on. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So if we get the sense that what you've done is crossing a line, it's gotten too intense. Like it has put them in a position where now they cannot be in the same space with you and uh, perform as they would have been able to before, like that is what crosses the line. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, you're, you have a theater. The point is to do artistic work and, uh, it's fine if people want to have relationships outside of that, that they started, you know, maybe they met because of being at the theater, but you're there to do the work. And if anything gets in the way, then that needs to be addressed. Absolutely. And I mean, we go as far as saying things like some of the examples we give people um, in writing to recognize what sexual harassment can look like, because I think that's another problem is a lot of people have a hard time wrapping their minds around the more kind of gray sexual harassment. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. it can be um, making yourself uh, constantly, uh, around and available and near a person when they've told you that they're not interested in you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. if it's very obvious that you're showing up at all the same places they are and you're constantly trying to put yourself in their line of sight, that is like, in my mind, a form of harassment. It's a form of manipulating a situation Mm -hmm. where you've made it impossible for that person to continue their work or if you're constantly texting a person outside of practice and, um, you know, constantly trying to see them outside 
um, and putting them in a position where, you know, they feel kind of weird and icky about it. Like that is also a form of harassment. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Mm-hmm. So um, there's a lot of like subtle ways that we try to spell out what it can look like to people just so, you know, some people are ignorant to that kind of thing. Some people don't mm-hmm. see it as harassment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's best to say something immediately before any of that happens to the student, so it doesn't become an additional thing that you have to work through as a theater. You know, you don't want to be working, you don't want a team to be trying to work to put together a show, and then there are all these distractions because something wasn't addressed. Totally, totally. And that's what we've learned along the way is you have to be proactive, you have to set that tone early Mm -hmm. and you have to make sure that people know where they can go for help and what it, what the feeling they have that constitutes like needing help is. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of times what can happen in situations like this is people aren't sure if it is an issue or not an issue and they're not sure if they should approach someone about it or not approach someone about it, because it seems like such a, well, I mean, he hasn't touched me, you know, he's just sort of being ever present and weird and creepy. And I'm saying he, but it could be a she too. Um, You know, he or she is, you know, doing this stuff that makes me uncomfortable, but what do, what am I able to do about it? You know, I Mm. think that, I've seen instances before where, you know, people have been lost just because they didn't feel like they could reach out and the best way for them to handle it was to leave the situation because they weren't sure what the retaliation would be and they weren't sure what would happen to that person, you know, because maybe they're of a higher status than they are, than that person is in a theater. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Absolutely. What advice would you give a theater owner who wants to create a harassment policy but doesn't know where to begin? Or someone who doesn't see a need for a harassment policy? What would you say to these people? I would definitely say if there's some if there's someone that's running a theater out there that doesn't think it's necessary to have discrimination and harassment policies on the books, um I'd say take it upon yourself to do the research about those instances and open your eyes to how um, ever present this threat can be. Um, You know, I think for a long time, we didn't want to think that it could happen in our community, but it obviously can. It can happen to any community. Mm -hmm. Um, And it does. So look up. (laughs) Yeah, right? What kind of community doesn't have it? (laughs) Yeah. So look up articles about, you know, discrimination in theaters or in art spaces. Look up articles about sexual harassment. Um, What are gray areas? Things like that. Educate yourself. Listen to podcasts that talk about these kind of policies and things like that. Listen to women's experiences. I think that's a huge one is kind of doing the work of understanding what can happen more often than you realize and opening your own eyes to it. Mm -hmm. And as far as where to start with policy, I think that for us, one thing that definitely helped was 
getting in touch with other theaters that are like-minded and say, hey, what do you guys do about your policies? Like, what do you have on the books? How do you enforce them? What are ways that you have found that are successful to create conversations that are healthy around these kinds of issues and promote safe space? And honestly, I also have done, like, I found it very useful just to kind of Google around and find other examples of policies that different kinds of businesses have on the books and, you know, take stuff from that that I feel is relevant and important to the theater community that I want to foster. Um, if you have a lawyer in your life that's a friend or somebody that you can go to, I think talking to someone who's familiar with law, specifically harassment and discrimination, it's great to get their input. You know what I mean? I think mm -hmm. every theater should have that kind of person that they can go to. Very good information there about how you can find new ideas and what maybe it can take to find those ideas. Maybe just Googling around. Developing policy, it might involve more than you realize. That was a good chat to understand that. So is this next one. It's with Tina Jackson. She is out of the Bear Theater in San Antonio, Texas. And their theater is young, but they started with a very well-developed policy. Here's my talk with Tina Jackson. How old is your theater? Uh, my theater is brand spanking new. Mm -hmm. uh, we opened in May of this year, May 2017. Uh, so we are very new, uh, even though this is something that my partner and I have been working on a plan for for the last decade or so. Uh, we haven't had a theater space until um, about a year ago. And so, or, that, you know, less than a year ago. So that means you've had these policy, a policy in place since starting. Right. So uh, we opened in May uh, and uh, it was something that we did not. Um, <laughs> the theater came together much on a much faster timeline than we had initially anticipated. So mm -hmm. we didn't have the actual written policy in place. But our students and our staff uh, were all very familiar with what the policies would be ahead of time. And our policies are now written, finalized, signed, sealed, delivered um, by all of our teaching staff, by all of our uh, players and coaches, by all of our students. Uh, this formal policy has just been adapted recently because we just finalized all of the language for it. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is something that these policies have always been in place um, and our students and teachers and players and coaches have all been held to this standard since we opened in May. Um, and now everybody's signing documents. That's great. Is there any of that policy that you are able to share? Uh, the general policy is just that um, harassment uh, of any nature and then also specifically named sexual harassment um, is not acceptable in our classrooms. It's not acceptable in our teams and um, our brand name sponsored shows and events. And anything that happens within our theater, we take as our business uh, to maintain the safe nature of the work that we want to do. We don't feel like it's uh, uh, that anybody can do their best creative work if they're feeling unsafe. And so simply put, if you want to, I mean, if you want to even just take the sexual nature out of it, we want everybody to be doing their best work. And if you're not feeling safe, you're not doing your best work. Um, uh, never mind how wrong it is to have done any of this to begin with. So, uh, uh, so harassment of any nature, um, especially, you know, in regards to a person's race, color, ancestry, religion, sex, national origin, age, disability, military status, marital status, sexual orientation, gender identity, 
um, or any other legally protected characteristics or conduct. Um, and, you know, it's just simply off the table. Um, and um, everybody will be kept to this standard at our discretion. Um, uh, we And then specifically sexual harassment is uh, we have a very specific teachers do not date students and students do not date teachers. Coaches do not date players on their teams and uh, players on the teams do not date their coaches. In the event that a relationship does arise, it must be disclosed to us um, uh, and we will always fail, favor in on behalf of the student or the performer rather than the coach or the teacher. I'd rather move the teacher out of the classroom to a different classroom uh, where they are not teaching their boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, mm-hmm. than move a student out from a, a player base that they are building a community with. Um, I, I would much rather do that. And so uh, our, our policy clearly states that this is not acceptable. And if this is something that you do not feel like you can deny, then we will just simply remove the teacher or the coach from the team mm-hmm. or the classroom. Uh, and that's fine with us that you are, if you are both consenting adults, that that can happen, mm-hmm. but it will mean that we move you. Those are great. Um, and we do have, yeah, thank you. Uh, we worked really hard on the language to just make sure that um, we're still acknowledging that you are adults and you are allowed to do what you want. But in the event that it impacts the theater culture, that we will take action because we are protecting uh, people in the position of learning, um, specifically. There are plenty of people who teach and there are plenty of people who learn, but removing a player from their team because they're dating their coach um, and or removing a student from a classroom is not fair. Um, but removing a teacher is completely within our capabilities and I think is more fair to the general atmosphere of what we want this educational institution to be. That's great. And what yeah, thank inv- you. oh, you're very welcome. So you're, <laughs> you know, you've been doing this for a few months as well. You know, like uh, you've been working on this for under a year, as you said. There are yep. other people who are starting theaters. They're under a year, or maybe they haven't even started the theater and gotten a, as long as you, as you have yet. What advice yeah. do you have for those theater owners who want to create a harassment policy but don't know where to begin? Right. I think um, there are several theaters who are doing a really good job of making their policies really clear and putting them out there on their website, uh, which is something we intend to do also, is to take a really official public stance on how we feel about sexual harassment in our theater. Um, Just because it's such a national topic right now, unfortunately. Uh, I wish that it wasn't. It reflects badly on all of us, even though a lot of us are really trying really hard to create a safe and creative environment. Mm-hmm. Um, but because it's so much a part of the national conversation right now, I think it's important that um, a lot of the theaters are taking really public stances on it, and we would like to be one of them. Um, but one thing that has been really helpful is looking at policies that are already in place at some of the theaters that um, that have come out really publicly about this. Huge theater has been really big about that mm-hmm. uh, in Minneapolis, about making their policies available. Um, and we looked very hard at that document and we, um, chose the things that really felt like they fit our perspective. They fit our, our company culture. You know, we didn't steal directly from it, but they encouraged us to, um, you know, take a look at those policies and see what works for you. And these are the things that we have decided for our, our company and the benefit of our players. Mm -hmm. Um, but we looked at several policies like that and we sort of 
cherry-picked the language that we really liked out of a lot of them and reworded a little bit and, you know, created a document uh, for us that really fit the bill as far as what we wanted to say on behalf of our company culture. Um, so I think really just doing a little bit of research into what's out there, what what people are now setting as an industry standard um, of protection for students and uh, and players, I think is really important because uh, we are at sort of the cutting edge of that right now. And I think it's the responsibility of every theater owner to look at what's out there and figure out what's right for you. Um, but that every theater should have a document like this. Every theater should address this publicly as what your stance is. And I mean, obviously I hope that every theater is against this kind of behavior, Mm -hmm. but a lot of theaters are predicated on it, uh, which is unfortunate. And uh, they're the ones who are going to suffer the most when, you know, shit starts coming out. Right. So um, how do you mean when you say there's there's still some theaters that are predicated on it? Um, Well, I guess I don't mean uh, predicated might be the wrong word, but I do mean that there are theaters who um, are protecting uh, abusers within their community because they're, you know, quote unquote, valued members of the community. Mm. There are people who are teachers and coaches and, uh, you know, people who are on the, the board or the decision-making boards uh, at a lot of theaters who are uh, being protected, even though complaints have come out about some of these people. Mm. And I can take that from a personal standpoint and in my experience in Chicago, because uh, my personal abuser, who was a teacher at a very well-known theater, is still working at that theater. Um, And it's, Part of the reason I no longer play there and part of the reason I do not feel welcome at that theater anymore. Mm. And it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that it happens to a lot of people where these complaints are vocalized even after years uh, of hiding just because there wasn't a culture of accepting uh, these kinds of uh, complaints or uh, uh, experiences. And um, even after they are revealed that some theaters will do nothing about it. Hmm. Uh, which I think is unfortunate because they value the quality of their show or maybe the quality of their education over the quality of the people that they employ. And I think that's unfortunate Hmm. Um, because the people who teach at our theater and granted our theater is very new, but our, our teachers are very clear on the rules. If, if something happens, we will not hesitate to no longer employ you. I will not, I, I will not feel bad about doing that. And I don't suspect any of them of that. I mean, I wouldn't hire them as right. teachers in our theater if I thought they were capable of these things. But people surprise you. I mean, I, I've been surprised by several people in the community who have come, who people have come out uh, with uh, strong uh, sort of irrefutable allegations against. I've been very surprised by it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't feel like, um, it doesn't, unfortunately, it's starting to not feel outside of anybody's wheelhouse to be susceptible to these kinds of I think power moves. Mm-hmm. Um, and because people have surprised me lately, I want to be clear with the people that I work with that that kind of thing will not be tolerated here. Not under my roof, not while I'm the, the artistic director, not while I'm the owner of this company. Will that kind of behavior be tolerated in any way, shape or form? I understand the difference between like, you know, giving you a slap on the wrist. If it's like, Hey, don't do that thing again, but anything more serious than that, mm-hmm. um, I I have no hesitation. I will have no hesitations about because they have been fairly and adequately 
warned, they've signed documents, you know, we've taken care of that so that there won't be a problem. And if there is a problem, that we know exactly how to deal with it because we've written it down. Hmm. Well, I think that's a really great policy that you have going for you there. And, and one of the things that I think was really a great idea was not only to research what other theaters are doing, but also to make to fine tune it to your community and your culture that right, you're developing yeah. there. I um, think that's useful. Yeah, what what works in other communities um, is not necessarily what's going to work here. Um, yeah. um, some theaters have very specific restrictions about who can date who, and and I'm not here to be your social coach. If you want to date people on your teams, go for it. I think that's a disastrous move. I've done it myself, but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, your funeral, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you you can't date people in your class or you can't date people on your teams. Uh, but what I can say is that if it's non-consensual or if there's any sort of power play involved, that, you know, I'm going to address it at a theater level uh, and, right. you know, move that teacher or move that coach out of that scenario so that it won't be a power move. Um, that these two people can exist separately and sexually at the theater, uh, but not on the same team or in the same classroom. You know, it's the time that we're in where it's like, oh, yeah, certainly people know not to do terrible things. And then something happens and then they realize, oh, well, now we have to have a policy, you know, and it's. Yeah, exactly. I think it's some of the it's, it's some of the stuff is just like putting a warning on a coffee cup that the contents might be hot but if you have to write it it's because somebody needed to hear it right yeah so sometimes it's sometimes it feels so stupid yeah um but uh, a lot of the policies i was reading uh, and some of them are you know more than just sexual harassment policies but student policies performer policies dress code that kind of stuff um the policies that exist at other theaters i was reading and i was like man i would never have thought to warn somebody not to bring their buddies to a class but it's like yeah. i guess you have to warn people yeah. please don't bring your friends to this class if they have not paid for the class right right um, i was like okay i guess or i'll put that practice. one in my policy because it doesn't feel like yeah it doesn't feel like i should have to say it but if somebody's had to say it i and i agree with it perhaps we'll just write it in the policy to begin with it doesn't hurt to give people information just because something seems obvious to you doesn't mean it will be to everyone else It's always better just to give everyone information to know what is expected of them. Let's go into our next and final segment. By now, you should have a pretty good feel for different policies that exist and the different approaches that exist to handle the same issue. Dating someone on your team. Not too many people are going to have a policy against it, but Tina offered some sage advice that it might be a disaster. Take those sort of things into consideration when you're having a dialogue about this with your theater. Next, you're going to hear from Jill Bernard. She's out of Minnesota and the Huge Theater, and she has some really great things to say here. Jill, why is it so important for a theater to have a harassment policy? Seems like an obvious question, but, you know, some people don't understand the answer. I don't know if, if it is an obvious question. The, the reason it's important is because in the absence of a policy, people make all kinds of crazy assumptions. In the absence of a policy, people think the theater condones harassment or, or turns the other way 
-hmm. regard to harassment, even if that's not, of course, what the theater ever had intended to do. And also what we've learned is that really the most important thing is is clear communication. People have to know what's going to happen. What and also what is allowed and what's not allowed needs to be said. And I, I feel like a policy is the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, because otherwise people try to solve the problem as, as best they can and, and it's going to be even more imprecise than it already naturally is. Right, and I imagine in that sort of case, if someone doesn't have policy, it'll be imprecise from one case to another. Right, and then people end up pointing fingers. Well, well, when this happened, you didn't do anything, or when right. that happened, the clearer you can be about what's going to happen. Also, policy is a weapon in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, to have a policy physically in your hand helps a survivor stand up. Mm. It gives it gives them something to grasp onto. Mm. Uh, it's so hard to speak up about harassment. It's so hard that if you're giving people no tools with which to do so, you've put them in an even worse spot mm. than they're already in having survived harassment. Right. You have a great policy. It's online for people to read. I read a good bit of it. One thing that I thought was really astute and was really glad to see that it was being addressed was this, and I'm going to read directly from the policy now. It's not the intention of the theater to mimic an office environment, which this may require a more nuanced reading of social cues than more clearly defined office environment. So I'll just stop there, which I know is a weird place to stop because it's the middle (laughs) of the sentence, but... I want to say how necessary it is to point out to members that, A, this is a theater, not an office, and therefore we don't necessarily have a clear-cut definition or definitions that an office may have, and B, they, the members are required to pick up on what is socially acceptable and be respectful. So you're saying, essentially, this is a place for art, so we need to have some freedom there. However, uh, you still have some responsibilities to be respectful to other people in this environment. And you don't let them off the hook about not understanding things or saying like, well, this is art. Cause some, you hear that argument sometimes a lot, right? Where people say like, but this is art or this is comedy. You're going to offend somebody, but that isn't an excuse for harassment or aggressive behavior towards an individual. So I like that that distinction is being addressed right on because it's kind of an elephant in the room. Right, and I should say our policy is adapted from the policy of Arcade Theater mm-hmm. and okay. in Michigan, and we were so glad to see it because that was the first policy we saw that addressed the fact that we're a theater. Mm-hmm. So when we started the journey to create a policy. The first people we talked to was the lawyers, right? Right. We're supposed to talk to lawyers. And what's so dissatisfying about that is that lawyers just want to help you with a policy that covers your butt. Right. They want to help you with a policy that makes it so the theater won't, the theater won't be in trouble. And they're working from an office world sort of approach. Well, from a legal world, Mm -hmm. even in an office, 
it's disappointing to me that most harassment policies are about protecting the company mm. and not about making things right. Oh, not I about see. Yeah. making things better. Mm. It's about removing any it's it's about removing the company from any legal entanglement. It's not about helping a survivor or even helping a victimizer, helping mm-hmm. a, a an attacker uh, get on a path to reconciliation. Most policies are not anything about that. They're about protecting the company. Mm-hmm. So when we looked at standard harassment policies, none of them were satisfactory mm-hmm. in any way. When we paid for legal advice, it was a waste of money, really, uh, because an HR lawyer is trying to protect a company. And that does come maybe from the from the corporate world, from the legislative environment, the, the litigious environment mm-hmm. of the United States. So it was we were so glad to see this policy from Arcade Theater and to see that they were addressing exactly what you're talking about. People often say improv cannot be censored. You're censoring me. And when people say, oh, I'm like improv, okay, I say to them, am I allowed in a scene to strangle you to death for real? Why or <laughs> right. why not? And then walk me back from there. Right. Because of that, it's not censorship to ask you to behave decently mm-hmm. and to be good to other people. <laughs> like that's kindergarten level. Um, just being a being a good human first before you're an improviser. Correct. Yeah, that's it's that's does seem like that should be a no brainer, but there are so many people <laughs> who don't seem to understand that. And I think also, and, and this is just to go back to what you said for a second about protecting people. In all honesty, a good policy will protect people from bad things happening, or give them tools to then deal with or fight what's happened to them. And also, it's a good source for the theater itself, not just to protect their butt. I mean, that's not the important thing, but for them to know how to move forward too. Everyone needs to know how to move forward in the situation in a healthy way. And good policy does that. But every policy should include clear steps of what the investigation will entail, mm-hmm. what happens. I mean, of course, there's there's always a step of reporting. How do you report harassment? Mm-hmm. But then there also has to be a part where we talk about what happens. And that's that's got to be, to be in there because mm-hmm. it feels sometimes like you're throwing a report down a hole and nothing's going to happen with it. It's going to sit in the file cabinet. It's, it's important to be clear, but I, want, mm-hmm. I also want to clarify, a policy does not do anything. A policy is a mm-hmm. piece of paper. That's it correct. It's, pe- it's use of policy. I yeah, think. you that have to. a good to, distinction to make. Which is so much harder. Th- and I feel like a lot of theaters who've had an incident put up a policy and that was the end of it. And they did nothing mm-hmm. to, to reform their culture and they did none of the hard work. Mm-hmm. They just had a piece of paper. And that's that's even more insulting than not having a policy at all is yeah. to have a policy that you have no intention of enacting and following through on. Sexual harassment investigations are there's because most of it's going to be anonymous, or at least in my experience, a lot of this has been anonymous. Uh, it's not like you can publish to the world 
the results of your investigation. So you have to hope that that your your community trusts you, that you did what you said you were going to do. And you have to communicate with the victims when they're known about what's happened. But there's often, there's not a lot you can say and protect the people who need to be protected. Mm-hmm. And you go into a lot of detail about this. The, the Huge Theater goes into a lot of detail about this on the website and there was mention of the whistleblower policy and that's some of what you're touching on, correct? Um, our whistleblower policy has actually never been used in Mm. practice. It's been, it's been available, but no one has made use of it. Mm -hmm. More of what I'm talking about. Well, I should talk about two things. We have an anonymous form where anybody can write to us, Mm -hmm. but Minneapolis is very fortunate to have an organization called fair play, Minnesota, that's working on creating equity mm-hmm. for women, transgender, and fem members of the improv community. And they have done a, a job of the, the work of collecting. They, they collect reports from individuals. E- people email them with their stories of what's happened. Mm-hmm. And Fair Play collects those. And in cases where... A, a single individual has reports about them. Um, Fairplay has collected that, made it anonymous, and given it to us to act on. Mm-hmm. But what I love about Fairplay, among things I love about them, is that they 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 let the victim say, they let the survivor say what they want to happen next. Mm-hmm. So someone writes an email to Fairplay. Fairplay writes back and says. Thank you. Uh, what 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 are what next steps do you envision? Do you want us to send this to Huge Theater? Mm. Do you want us to do you want Fair Play to speak to the perpetrator? Mm. Um, and th- that's important to put the agency back in the hands of a person who might be feeling very powerless at this moment. Mm. That is a really good thing to have in place. It's something that is has to be paramount for the state of Minnesota to have something like that where, because it's, it is tough. Uh, It's, it is something that is obviously tough for the victims to speak out on, but to have essentially a third party that can, uh, can be the ones to take the, the accusations on and the uh, situation on and not, be something directly involved in the theater is another way I think the victim is protected because yeah in a lot of cases it does seem like if you're telling the theater owner about something that happened you're talking about somebody's friend so now this person has to investigate their friend I mean we saw with Joe Paterno and Jerry Sandusky how that sort of thing goes there does need to be an option to have a outside party that's getting involved yeah and i I was gonna exactly what you're saying um what if your manager is the person who did it what if you're what if the manager of your theater sexually harassed you and your and your company policy says report harassment to the manager yeah isn't that isn't that the worst possible thing you can imagine or the wife or husband of the owner is mm-hmm. the person who harassed you and you're supposed to report to their spouse about what happened. That's awful. Yeah. Um, and that's ineffective. 
They're mm-hmm. not going to have the distance required and they don't have the trust, obviously. And there's no safety in that. Even And, and so many times a perfectly well-intentioned theater manager or owner has made the has made the the survivor sit in a room with with the person they're accusing and try to work it out Mm. like that's their idea this is a problem that they need to work out so let's sit in a room together wow that's awful Mm. that's awful and why would any anybody (laughs) why would anybody ever trust you again if that's the way you handle sensitive matters absolutely the right way to put that why would anyone trust you and trust is such a needed aspect of this matter of this these these situations the accusers need to be able to trust who they are going to and i think we've seen a lot in this country that they don't feel that a lot of authority figures are able to be trusted um is there anything that you think needs to be done more than what we're seeing other than the obvious of not harassing people but when it comes to handling these situations what is not being done enough i would say training because most of us that run theaters are trained in running theaters our my my college degree is in is in theater i don't know have any background in business management or human resources management. So what I would say is uh, hire a trainer and have some some really mindful, thoughtful trainings for everyone involved at your theater. We partnered here with the uh, the Sexual Violence Center in Minnesota. Uh, that. Because the other people offering training, again, we're offering it from an HR standpoint of here's how to protect yourself from accusations. The, the Sexual Violence Center was the first group I found that was really, their training helps you talk about it, identify it. Uh, we included some role plays where you got to practice what you would do in various situations. And we had our our staff, our teachers and house managers um, and bartenders come to this training. Mm, And the reports I got back were that people found it really valuable. It wasn't, it wasn't even incredibly expensive. It was reasonably priced to have done. And it took, uh, you know, maybe four hours and we've done it now twice. And it's, it's really valuable. These conversations got me thinking a lot here are some takebacks and thoughts I have, and I'm not saying I know everything. If you're running a theater and don't have anything in place, then get something in place. It's safer for the company members whether something happens or not. You don't want to learn the hard way why you should have had something in place all along. People can surprise you. I'm not saying suspect everyone. But don't assume someone you trust can't disappoint you. 
get a third party involved. A few people mentioned that. It's a really good idea. There has to be someone people will feel comfortable coming to so they can be encouraged to report something and know that it will be taken seriously. I mentioned Joe Paterno earlier. Think about how incredibly difficult it might be for someone to come forward about harassment or assault when the perpetrator is a good friend of the theater director's. A third-party advocate eliminates that issue. Victims could confidently speak freely if they know it will get taken seriously. And victims feeling safe to speak freely is so important. It would be wise to strongly consider having a policy, even if you aren't running a theater. You might be one of the people who put together your own entity and you're performing every Thursday night at a bar and maybe a mid-sized market. You might be in a big city and thinking of starting an indie team or you're already on an indie team. It would benefit you to have rules, standards, and policy in place. Think about it. A team at a bar or on the road? What if one member mistreats another? What if someone does something awkward and makes people uncomfortable? How do you handle that? Also, if you're on a team or a member of a company, think about how you should interact with others. Consider how you address people. Don't assume you haven't done something that made someone feel uncomfortable. Answer this question and be honest with yourself. Do people walk away feeling that you respect them? If you're dating someone else on a team, put some thought into how you will handle team dynamics when you're with the team or how you might handle a breakup or having a bad fight right before practice or a show. These are things to talk about with your significant other. This topic is about safety. Having policy is not about covering your butt. If you have a policy solely to cover your butt, people will still be hurt and mistreated at your organization. You just maybe won't have a legal battle to deal with. That's not a safe community. Implementing policy and having clear standards and rules that everyone involved with your company is aware of and following creates an environment where people feel respected, open, and free. Making sure that people understand the reason why these policies are necessary and training people on appropriate behavior is what makes a safe environment. Of course, both men and women can cross the line. But men, we have to get responsible about this. Get educated, get informed, get training, get therapy. We have to do whatever it takes to make the big steps necessary to end harassment and discrimination. From what I've gathered, women seem to expect to be discriminated against. They aren't surprised when it happens. Maybe I'm wrong, but just the conversations I've had with people and what I've heard, they anticipated. The mistake people make is that when they think of harassment, they think of aggressively abusive behavior. This issue goes beyond aggressive behavior. There are a lot of men who said or did something inappropriate that made for an uncomfortable situation or mistreatment, and they didn't even realize it. I've seen it. I know of a few men specifically who have done inappropriate or socially awkward things that made women feel uncomfortable or mistreated, and in each case, the men are oblivious. Not knowing can't be an excuse anymore. Step up. These principles also apply to treatment of people of color and people of the LGBTQIA community. That can't be ignored. Steps have to be made for the betterment of our communities and our overall community. 
It would be so beneficial for all of us to adapt to the principles we're learning about. No pushback. Even if you haven't done anything, understanding these principles will make you treat others with more respect. And that's a good thing. This is on all of us. Knowledge is power. If you would like access to policies, then two good sources of info can be found at hugetheater.com and arcadecomedytheater.com. Links to both are in the bio and blog post for this episode on thereitispod.com. I hope you learned a lot from everyone who spoke and that you share what you learned with your communities. This is a tough topic to discuss, and I, I really want to extend my tremendous gratitude to the women who spoke with me. Alrenthia Carter, Katie Holcomb, Tina Jackson, and Jill Bernard. Your thoughts and time were invaluable. This is by no means everything that can be said about harassment and discrimination, but hopefully this starts a dialogue and creates a fruitful discussion. Thank you for listening, and as always, be good to each other. <laughs>